Before we start this podcast, we would like to take the opportunity to mention that we now have a Patreon page where you can help to support, evolve and continue these compassionate conversations. Please visit patreon.com slash voce dialogues for more information. Welcome everyone to the Voce Dialogues, Voices of Compassionate Evolution. I'm Chloe Goodchild, founder of The Naked Voice, and this is our new online community where we are exploring, deepening, and evolving our awareness of the transforming power of compassion. Enjoy these new dialogues with a wide range of artists, musicians, writers, and philosophers, social entrepreneurs, and sacred activists. They are all visionaries, transforming lives through the art of conscious creative expression with practices inspired by their own unique life experience. The Voce Dialogues are dedicated to the compassionate evolution of life on Earth. Well, hello, dear friends, and it's my great pleasure today to be in dialogue with a wonderful new friend, Dr. Jude Caravan. Welcome, Jude. Thank you, Chloe. It's such a delight to be with you. And I hope where you are, the sun is shining, where everyone is today, the sun is shining as brightly as it is here in in Avebury, my home. Well, Jude, here we are. Many of you listening to this will know Jude Caravan's extraordinary work. But for those of you for whom it's new, let me just share a little bit with you about who this remarkable human being is. So Jude is a cosmologist, a planetary healer, a futurist, author, previously one of the most senior businesswomen in the UK and founder of The Whole World That's wholeworld-view.org. And Jude integrates leading-edge science, research into consciousness, and universal wisdom teachings into a holistic world view. This underpins Jude's work serving conscious evolution and empowering transformational and emergent resolutions to collective human and planetary issues. For over two decades... Jude has also travelled around the world in service to planetary healing. She's a member of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle, that's evolutionaryleaders.net, and she's also the international and award-winning author of six books to date, Latterly, The Cosmic Hologram, Information at the Centre of Creation. And that has a foreword from the wonderful Irvin Laszlo. Jude's next book, which is very much where our friendship was really catalyzed, I sense, is called Gaia, Her Story. And it's due for publication in 2022. Jude, I am just so excited to be in this conversation with you about compassion. And I would love to know what compassion really means to you and how has it shown up in your life? Well, thank you, Chloe. As I say, it's a delight to be with you. And and I love playing with words, <laughs> as we're both finding out and exploring together. So for me, compassion is calm passion. And calm is, is a word about relationship. For me, compassion is about how we relate 
not only to ourselves, with ourselves, but with others. And what form does that relationship take? And for me, it's a relationship of the heart. Compassion is a relationship of the heart. And there's another word, which is courage, which is the bravery of the heart. And in a way, I connect the two of those because in my experience, to fully embody compassion for others and in our relationship with them and and our planetary home, our beloved Gaia and all her children, does also call for courage. It calls for that bravery of the heart where we, where we trust, where we enter into many cases are not knowing, but are trusting that all is well. And for me, that empowers my life to embody that trust in hope in action. So I guess that's my sense of compassion. I love that. Absolutely love that. And my experience of you is that you are, I would describe you as walking compassion because you you seem to be somebody. And I think what really most excited me in meeting you and hearing your voice even is how you collapse the dimensions between different disciplines. So I had this experience of when I first heard you of your sound when you're speaking sounds as if you are singing, almost that sense of a kind of poetic, soulful delivery and so on. And for me, obviously, the sound of the human voice, and for many of us, of course, we pick up so much about the quality of an individual through the vibration uh, and the consciousness of the way they are sharing what they're sharing. And I think what's been so inspiring for me in knowing you is that on stage or off stage, you're exactly the same. (laughs) Chloe, it's too complicated to be anything else. (laughs) Too difficult. Well, it's it's such a relief, isn't it? I mean, my sense is with you, with your work, you know, I was just reading um, how Bruce Lipton, the, the stem cell biologist, described you as someone who is incorporating consciousness as a fundamental element, comprising the fabric of the universe and how you provide a bold and hopeful vision of human civilization, one in which we can all fully participate in. And, and that's really what I get from you is you not only hold this vision, which it feels as if it's really driven by your, your sense of unicity and love of humanity, you know, at a very local level, as well as a global and universal level. And that for me is why I suppose I was just really inspired to share this dialogue with you and just to find out more deeply who were your influences perhaps in earlier in life and in your childhood and so on, that gave birth to this visionary understanding of, uh, you know, that's very much led by compassionate action. Mm, Thank you. Uh, When you ask that question, the immediacy, the immediate sense I had was of my mum, my darling, darling mother. She left school at 14 with no qualifications She lived a very actually challenging life, you know, on on all levels. When she had me and then my brother, I reckon that she found her lived purpose in life because she radiated love. And she radiated love not just for us. She loved us unconditionally. So she was literally walking compassion. She loved us unconditionally. 
but she also loved people. And I guess she loved people because she actually could see that we're all fallible, all of us. And she loved despite that. She didn't love people for their perfections, (laughs) which never is the case, but their imperfections. It's always more interesting, isn't it? (laughs) It's much more interesting, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) But but what she, she gave us both was this incredibly empowering support for our early lives and and that carried on because my dad died when he was very young and and I was 10 and my brother was nearly eight so mom then brought us up on her own my dad and grandfather were coal miners in central of England so we had very little money and when dad passed over we had even less money and that was never a limiting factor that was never a limiting factor in what mom guided us both to aspire to, to live our lives as. So she gave me love. She gave both of us love as a foundation for our lives. And despite our shortcomings, my shortcomings, and that's been incredibly wonderful and empowering for me all my life because I've seen in my own fallibility and being able, thanks to her love, to forgive myself and to love myself, then that love's been able to be extended. Mm. And the other thing that I've had since I was very, very young was a realisation that this physical realm is not all there is to the nature of reality, that the appearance of our universe is not its deepest fundamental reality. And so for me, having discarnate guidance and multidimensional experiences from very early age enabled me to what I sometimes describe as walk between worlds but fundamentally to realize that all of reality is interconnected fundamentally unified and so that gave me a sense of love not just of being compassionate in a human sense but compassionate in a spiritual and in a a whole sense of loving all reality, realizing that everything in existence has meaning and purpose and that everything, every human being, but everything that we call reality are reflections of ourselves. You know, we are the pixels in the, in the cosmic hologram that I write about. So in a way, when I relate with others, I'm also relating with myself. I love the immediacy of what you're saying as well, because you have brought into your adult life, that's my experience of you, this sense of wonder and revelation that, uh, you know, so many children have, but then somehow or other it gets lost along the way. And so a lot of obviously what your work and my work is about the redeeming, the remembering of that lost sense of wonder and so on. And I, but I'm also hearing when you talked about your dad and the lineage of the coal mining and the connection with the earth and with the ground and with your mother providing the ground of love. How was it for her when she started watching this unusual girl child, <laughs> you know, making these connections from the, 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 the simple wonder of the child into these deeper realities that, that were informed by your love of physics, of science, of archaeology, of the mystical realms? 
yeah, how did she relate and react and respond to who she saw evolving in front of her? <laughs> what was that like? <laughs> well, <laughs> always loving, always open. But I would say that when I was growing up, even though I was walking between worlds and having these incredible experiences, yeah. I actually didn't share them with any human being. Wow. Including my mom. And it wasn't because I had any concerns that she wouldn't be open. It's very odd because obviously when I grew up and, and moved on and, and all the rest of it, I did start to share them. I did start to share them when I felt ready to. And it wasn't that I felt that I would be judged or in whatever way. It was as when I was young, <laughs> a, I was having too much fun, um, <laughs> which I was. And also it, it literally, and this may sound very odd, but it literally didn't occur to me because the discarnate voices that were communicating with me, the experiences I was having, I was almost on this great adventure of discovery. And what mum would say is my favourite word when I was growing up was why, why, why? And she was so wonderful because even though there were times, many times where perhaps she couldn't answer my questions, she never discounted them. And she always did her best to point me in directions she thought I would find the answers to. And of course, unbeknown with her, to her, at the time, I was finding incredible answers to, to many questions through those explorations of, of walking between worlds. But she, she was with us through when I went to university, the first person in my family to go to university. And I gained a scholarship to Oxford University and there studied physics cosmology and she was incredibly proud of me for that then I went into corporate life and I became one of the most senior business women as you'd mentioned in the UK and she was incredibly proud of me for that and it enabled me to sort of gift her with things that you know made her life a bit easier and that she loved and all the rest of it and then she was also with us when I left corporate life and she never passed any judgment on my decision to move on from corporate life because I, I already sensed this incredible potential shift of conscious evolution flowing through our collective psyche. But she always was absolutely fine with that. And then when I began to research a PhD in archaeology, she was excited about that. It was like every step of my journey, mm. she was thrilled for and delighted for. And she loved me and I adored adored and I still do adore her because when she passed over she also came to me so I still feel her presence every day in my life oh that is so beautiful well I'm I'm, I'm hearing I think more vibrantly and clearly than ever before you often refer in your work as being a science of love and I'd love you just to speak a little bit more about that. You know, the collapsing of dimensions in a way between these different realms of consciousness that you happened upon, that visited you, that you have over the course of time have integrated, in my experience of you, this language of love that has, you know, collapsed the dimensions between science and spirituality and sound. Very much. You know, in my experience... The opposite, as it were, of love is not hate, mm. it's fear. And if you think of a sort of a, a spectrum, <laughs> just like a, a, a rainbow, a visible light spectrum, love is maybe you can sense or unconditional love at one end. 
And perhaps at the other end, you can, as a, as a metaphor, consider fear. And the more we are in love, the less we can be in fear, really, at the deep level. And I'm not talking about conditional love. I'm not talking about love that is a needy love. I'm just talking about unconditional love, mm -hmm. as my mum had for, for my brother and myself and still does. Where that is, there is no fear. Beautiful. It's only when we sort of start to move into that conditionality. So in my 65 plus years of exploration of the nature of reality and of consciousness, because what came forward very early and has continued now to be evidenced in leading edge science, this convergence of science and spirituality mm. is a convergence mm. of consciousness, realizing as many of the pioneering scientists have, that mind and consciousness aren't something we have. They're literally what we and the whole world are. So in that sense, our universe and its appearance is a great thought mm. in the eternity and, and infinity of the cosmos, mm. not a great thing. And in that great thought, everything is not just interconnected, but ultimately unified. So when I speak of a science of love, I sometimes call it a cosmology of consciousness. A science of love is now the evidence and the whole worldview framework of a universe that not only exists and evolves as a unified entity of mind and consciousness, but literally embodies an impulse to evolve, an evolutionary impulse to evolve from simplicity to complexity and ever greater levels of individuated self-awareness. Mm. So that for me is the science of love because it, it, it naturalizes multidimensional yes. communication and experiences. It naturalizes what folks sometimes call supernormal, not paranormal or supernatural phenomena, but supernormal phenomena yeah. such as telepathy and remote cognition. It empowers us in our innate superpower, which is our intuition. Right. So on every level, it offers us, it empowers us, and it's providing the evidence to support that empowerment of a mindful, conscious, sentient, living, evolving universe where we are, it's microcosmic <laughs> co-creators. And if we can wake up and grow up and show up and clean up, we can actually take what I feel is our opportunity and potential and destiny to become its conscious co-evolutionary partners. Wow. Well, I, I, as you're speaking, I, I'm, I'm literally getting goosebumps because I'm, you know, I'm aware, looking at, looking back over, for example, just even the last hundred plus years, um, and just seeing how other great visionaries, I'm thinking of Tesla and the paleontologist monk, uh, Teilhard de Chardin, and of course, Einstein and David Bohm and, and all, you know, the whole kind of evolution and birth of quantum understanding and so on, and how many of those beings, they were a threat to the, to the collective at that time. But as you're speaking, and as I'm hearing this profoundly feminine voice and also an awareness of the power and the potency of the presence of Gaia at this time. You know, I'm, I'm really aware. Do you feel it? This sense of 
now is the time where what you're sharing and this extraordinary kind of visionary understanding and this reality of who we are as interconnected beings and so on is now infinitely possible. You know, now is the time for this. This is what I'm learning a lot from you. Now is the time for this. These predecessors, if you like, these extraordinary inspiring predecessors were shining the light, but very often because of the context, the socio-political context in which they were, was in some way, you know, very threatened by uh, what was coming forward or not ready to quite hear it. And that is now changing dramatically, literally before our eyes at the moment, isn't it? As we're watching the old world, uh, the old paradigm, so to speak, disintegrating in front of us. And why is that happening? Because of everything you're describing, if you like, this awareness of the interconnectedness and the oneness of human life on earth is really just naturally redeeming itself, arising at a whole new level of consciousness. Absolutely. And and you mentioned earlier about remembering and playing with words again. I put a hyphen. So it's remembering because following the early scientific revolution that was led by folks such as Galileo, Copernicus, Newton and others, right. there was this sort of moving away and pulling apart between the investigations of science, which was all about the sort of the, the physical appearance of the world and the deeper and perhaps spiritual aspects of it. And that wasn't driven by the scientists. It was driven at the time by the church and for all sorts of very understandable reasons by the scientists because they could get into deep, deep trouble, far more than just being pilloried. They were actually burnt at the stake or had house arrest for the rest of their lives because it was seemed to be so dangerous to, to the status quo right. at the time. And, and so what that's done really, and, and what I'm so grateful for in my own experience, I've always realized that it's a false dichotomy. It's, it's a false apparent separation between science and spirituality. And they're just different perspectives of what is the, the greater perception of wholeness. And you're right, you know, as, as Newton himself said, he could see as far as he did because he too stood on the shoulders of giants. So we too stand on these shoulders of the giants you've mentioned and, and many others mm. who have indeed paved the way to this time. And even what I'm writing about goes beyond quantum physics and relativity physics because those two pillars of 20th century science of themselves are being seen amazing that they are they're still not fundamental. There's there's a fundamental, deeper reality. And the appearance of our universe and its energy and matter and, and space and time emerge from these deeper causative realms of cosmic mind and consciousness. Right. And of course, you mentioned Théard de Chardin. Mm. And he, at the end of the First World War with two others, came up with this idea that at some point he too was feeling a flow, an evolutionary flow mm. towards something that he called, they called a planetary consciousness. He called it the newosphere. Oh, yes. Uh, isn't that beautiful? And 100 years later mm. and 20 years almost after David Bohm's profound insights too, we have the realization and the evidence at all scales of existence and across many, many different fields of research that the nature of reality is as in formation, meaningful in formation yeah. and 
manifested literally as a cosmic hologram. So reality is real, but separation is an illusion. So I feel that we're now more and more and more folks are literally waking up to remember that we're inseparable. And yet unity is not uniformity. Unity is vastly abundant diversity. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing that I'd, I'd say to finish is your mentioning of Gaia, because for me, this is perhaps the most fundamental and yeah. important emergence of these last few years that we as our indigenous communities and brothers and sisters have always told us that Gaia, our primary mother, is a living sentient being and to relate to her. And to remember our relationship with her as such a living, sentient, evolving being. So is vital. So I've sort of coined this term Gaia sphere <laughs> with wow. all due respect and honoring of Théa de Chardin's wow. sphere, because for me, Gaia sphere is a more experiential and embodied relationship with our planetary home and all her children and our multi-dimensional experience of life. Well, you know, just hearing what you're saying about that, I can really feel that in my bones, in the cells of my body, and just really integrating the the impersonal with the personal as well, with the interpersonal, isn't it? And then therefore the transpersonal consciousness. Very much so. Einstein talked about expanding the circle of compassion, going back to compassion again. Yes. He spoke of the me to expand to include the we, to expand to include the all. And, and that really, yes, it, that's exactly that. And I guess the other, the other aspect of that is the in to hyphen gration of the, the re, re-sanctifying the sacred marriage of the divine feminine and the divine masculine within us. Because for a long time, the the divine masculine attributes, as it were, whether through men or women, but primarily men, have been predominant. But now as part of this incredible evolutionary impulse, I'm sure you are, Chloe, and and many, many of the folks who are hearing us feel this, is is the re- is the re-empowerment of the divine feminine and then the, the, the re-sanctification of that sacred, ancient sacred marriage of the complementarity of the divine feminine and the divine masculine. I love that. I love that. And therefore, just the skills, the this understanding, an embodied understanding of what compassion means and and how we live from there, as you're sharing with us so beautifully, really means that in order to understand these skills of compassion and the awareness that compassionate action makes possible, we just have got to go to your book, The Cosmic Hologram. <laughs> And um, I really want to invite everyone to go to your beautiful websites and to listen in to this understanding, because it is, as you say, it's more important than anything now, I think, this understanding that we're seeing, obviously, out in the world right now, we're seeing the playing out across the unconscious media, the expression of 
a complete absence of compassion, a kind of still a belief system that is still in the dying throes of itself, of separateness, that is trying to portray that the old world is still here. But the reality is that this understanding of the wonder, of the innocence, of the remembering is what we are inevitably called to, whether we know it or not, whether we know we're called to it or not. We cannot help but return to this place of compassion within ourselves. Goodness me, Jude, I feel like we've just opened the door on this profound conversation. And I thank you so much for just sharing just the initial picture and vision of this personal, local, national, international, global, planetary vision that is quite simply being remembered. Thank God for you. Thank you. And thank you for being in this dialogue together. And may this compassionate action and the understanding of it just really fire up in all our conversations and in the way that we live and learn to to be at home in ourselves and with each other and as inspired by our beloved Gaia Sphere. I love that. Thank you, Chloe. It's been my wholehearted delight for us to explore. And as as you say, I feel we're in the early steps of this amazing journey of, of homecoming. So I look forward to further explorations together and with everyone because we're all fellow travellers on yeah. this emergent journey. We don't know the destination, yeah. but together we can love and trust and support and care for each other yeah. on this journey home. That's the one. That's the one. Bless you and thank you so much. Thank you. To be continued is all I would say. (laughs) Be continued. Thank you. Thank you, dear Chloe. Thank you, Jude.